Growth doesn't happen within your comfort zone. It happens when you take a leap. Each episode, we highlight creators, innovators, people just like you who have stepped outside their comfort zone. Welcome to Leap, stories that inspire, a quantum fiber podcast. Hello, and welcome to Leap, Stories That Inspire, a quantum fiber podcast. My name is Diani Galligan, and I will be your host today. Our guest is Amanda McCoy. Welcome, Amanda. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to have you here today. Amanda has a story that is full of twists and turns and has a few brave leaps in it as well. So I am delighted that Amanda is here to share her story with us today. Amanda... I would love for you to tell our listeners really about where your story started, which goes all the way back to Florida. Yeah, um, I have had quite a few leaps and and twists and turns in life, and Florida is where I am from, so that is where it all starts. So as a, you know, young girl growing up and whatnot, I wanted to, um, I had big eyes and big dreams and uh, wanted to go to Australia as a young kid. And I mean, as a very young kid, like nine years old kind of thing, the dream began. Um, but living in Florida, uh, I you know had a great childhood and lived and grew up there and went to college and got my degree and focused on all the things. And as I was going through and getting my degree, um, you know, I, the, the dream of Australia had kind of been put on the back burner and I was just really you know, going through the motions and, and tick checking all the boxes and doing everything I wanted to do. Um, but uh, I had, I was in uh, like an economics 101 class or something like that, something quite boring. Sorry for the econ majors out there. <laughs> but it, it was something that I wasn't really focused on. And I was um, looking around the room and there was a bulletin board where it said um, there was a study abroad fair that Thursday or something like that. And the first country on the list was Australia. So, um, yeah. So I was like, well, there's no way I'm missing that. So I, I went to it and I was, you know, um, very excited. I went to every booth that was for Australia and um, and really made sure that uh, my list, my name was on every list possible to get there. So um, that's kind of how it all started, I guess. I was, you know, just going through and getting my degree in hotel management and figuring out life. And that was the path I was on. But this this thing that was always kind of looming behind me or looming over me of wanting to go to Australia just kept popping up. So that opportunity really started that first kind of push to make that leap happen. So um, so yeah, well, so I think push, I, I think push is probably the right word because after you put your name on every list, <laughs> I would love for you to tell the listeners what yeah. you did to make sure that you ended up in Australia because perseverance seems like an understatement in this process. <laughs> I have to say, I do feel bad for the person, the, uh, the advisor or whoever had to make that decision because I pretty much became a stalker. <laughs> um, I, I, contacted this gentleman on the regular I mean daily um just checking in how's how's things not even asking about my application just like how are you how's your girlfriend how's your mom how's life like just constantly badgering him and just making sure my name was very much front of mind in any decision that was being made with regard to Australia so 
there were multiple locations that they did exchanges with. And I was like, his name was Renee. Um, and I was like, Renee, I do not care. I do not care where I go. Just get me to the continent and I will figure it out. And he's like, it's not how it works, Amanda. I'm like, no, but it kind of does. Like, that's yes. pretty much how it works. Just how many months there. did you nag poor Renee? How many months did you nag poor Renee? Oh, it was probably three months, I would say. I was um, contacting him regularly. And we were at different campuses, so I wouldn't see him. Like, it wouldn't be something where I would just show up at his office often. I mean, I would do that. But when I needed to go to the main campus, which was an hour away, that's when I would make sure I made time to go see Renee and bring him cookies or something. But yeah, it was But it worked. A, Didn't it work? It worked. It worked. It worked. Yep. He, he contacted me and was pretty much like, okay, you're going. Can you please stop calling me or please stop emailing me? And I was like, no, now I'm going to send you chronicles of my life while I'm there, like everything. And he's like, oh, great. Can't wait. Bye. But yeah, I'm here. He he accepted you into the program in sheer self-defense. I think it was in yeah. sheer self-defense. <laughs> yeah. You're probably not wrong. <laughs> so but you got the into the program. I was excited. You were there? Yep. Bought a one-way ticket. Yeah. One-way 21 ticket years to Australia. old. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 21. Yeah. Just turned. And I love that you said that, by the way. For those who didn't catch that, Amanda was 21 years old. She bought a one-way ticket <laughs> to go to Australia. <laughs> Because though the program was short term, your thinking was not short term. You were ready to go. No. Yeah, this was this was the dream. I'd wanted to live there. It wasn't just a, you know, a semester situation for me. This was going to be something that I wanted to live there for a lot longer. Um, and yeah, you so did. I did. I bought a one-way ticket, $650. I remember it because I was like this is the most I've ever spent on a plane ticket. Um, and I packed my two suitcases to the brim and set out and you know it, it was a beautiful journey and got to stay a lot longer than intended but yeah I was there um I got the year visa for a student visa and that kind of set me up for the one year to kind of really figure life out and figure out how I was going to get to stay longer but yeah it was not a not a return there was not no return planned that's for sure <laughs> well and I'll give the listeners a preview um you were there a lot longer than a year you were there almost seven years. Yeah, seven years, almost to the day. And uh, so let's talk about what happened there. You got done being a student yeah. and you built a life. I did. I really did. So yeah, I got to do my last semester abroad in Australia at um, a university. And I ended up going to Melbourne, Victoria. That was where I got to go, which was great. Um, and I'm super happy with that choice. I think if I'd ended up in Sydney, I would have had a very different experience and probably wouldn't have stayed as long. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really loved, um, Melbourne and everything that it offered and kind of did make it my, my, my own home and my own life there. Um, so I did, I finished my degree there, wormed my way into temp jobs and, and, um, different things like that, you know, got my degree and then immediately stopped using it <laughs> pretty much or didn't use it at all. <laughs> Became a piece of paper that I needed to put on a resume, but not something that I really used. Um, and then, yeah, I uh, fought my way to get into um, a, a temp role that worked for a large bank there and um, worked at the National Australia Bank for pretty much the duration of my time there. So I um, was very lucky to kind of be in the right place at the right time and meeting the right people. I mean, I worked, um, started out in the cafe at the bottom of the bank. 
before I could even get a temp job and as like a receptionist in the in the main corporate building for 8,000 people kind of thing. So I got to meet everybody at that bank. And I mean, I serve the CEO coffee and I've served, you know, all of the executives and the assistants and all of that. And I just became, I networked my little tail off to make sure I met and became friends with anyone and everyone I could and finally got offered a job on their reception desk. And they're like, why are you down here? Like, can we at least do like a temp situation and see how you how you do in this role? Because they're like, you shouldn't be just serving coffee. You've got a lot more going on here. So um, kind of climbed my way up the, up the ladder and into the building. And um, literally, you climbed a- from the basement all the way up <laughs> yeah. into the building. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Started on exactly in the basement, like in the front lobby kind of area, and then moved up a level, and then from there uh, into the reception area, and then moved up to level six, in um, as a as an executive assistant to an American man who was living in Australia at the time, um, and uh, became very close with him and his whole team of what ninety people, and then from there got into corporate events, and that's kind of. Um, where I spent the last four years of my career in Australia and um, got to see and do a lot of really crazy things and work with some beautiful, beautiful locations and budgets and people. And it was amazing. But yeah, um, who knew this this dream, this idea of nine-year-old little girl in Florida would become this big thing um, and this great situation in in Australia, but that's kind of where I guess my story starts, starts, starts to take a to turn. Change. Yeah, I yeah. I, uh, I have a a quote from you that says you got all Ooh. the shoulds of life, everything you thought mm. you should have. You had a your degree, you had a great job, you had a great boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. You were in a yeah. great location. You were getting to travel and do all these wonderful things, but you were miserable. Exactly. So let's exactly. talk about that because you had all the shoulds, but it was yeah, not at all making had, you happy. Exactly. I had everything that you on paper that should have made me happy. I should have been on cloud nine and I had accomplished so much. Um, but I was. There was a part of me that was just so disconnected from it and so miserable. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out how or what. And there's a part of me that probably didn't want to, didn't want to peel back the layers enough to really see the demon that it was or whatever it was kind of thing, the belly of it all. But um, I am really good at imploding my life or whatnot. So that's what I did. I had been there seven years. My visa was expiring. um, And instead of sticking it out and figuring it out and going for the permanent residency I was already on track for. Six months away. Um, I believe you were six months away from permanent residency. Six. Yep. Six months away from permanent residency. I decided, nope, the only thing I know how to do is blow up my life and start over. So that's what I'm going to do. So I did. I blew up my life. I decided that Denver was the next place and the next thing that was going to have all of the answers to the shoulds that I somehow hadn't answered and somehow hadn't checked the boxes that was going to make me happy. Um, and I set that course um, and made my way um, out here. So I, I'm currently in Denver. Um, and it's been a little over four, about four and a half years now um, since I've been here. And 
that was, you know, the big exciting move, the big thing. You know, I moved back to Florida and I was, well, before I even moved back, I started looking at jobs and things like that to get me to, um, to, to Denver. Um, I had other, other cities in mind as well, but Denver really just checked all the boxes for me as far as nature and young hip city. I'm, again, I'm from Florida, which is, you know, not necessarily known for its youth. Um, and, um, I just needed a little, a little more in life in Denver, just really checked all those, all those boxes. So yeah, so I moved, um, started moving everything home to Florida, um, and then was taking interviews and, and calls and things like that for jobs. Um, I even got a part-time job cause I thought for sure it was going to take me, you know, six to eight months to get a job. Everyone was saying the job market was awful and it was really difficult to get, um, employment and things like that. So I was like, all right, well, I've got some savings and I can go get a part-time job and, you know, live off that for a little while until I get my ducks in a row. Um, and then, yeah, so, uh, within a matter of like three weeks, I got a job offer, um, here in Denver with one of the large companies here, tech companies here. And, um, the, as an executive assistant to the chief marketing officer and, um, him and I clicked really well, which if anyone has been an executive assistant, you know, that's, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the point of the job. Essentially you can do the rest of it, but you got to make sure you gel well. Um, and we really did. So, um, he was like, how soon can you be here? And I'm like, I, I have to buy a car. Like I have to figure out my life. I have to go back to Australia to get the rest of my belongings. Like, I was like, I just didn't think this would happen so soon. And he's like, okay. He's like, so when can you be here? And I was like, ah, he's like, I can be here by this date, but I have to leave. And like five days later to go back to Australia to get the rest of my life. He's like, that's fine. I'm like, but you don't understand. I'm going to be gone for like 10 days. And he's like, that's fine. So I was like, okay. So I packed everything I had, moved out here, um, like got an apartment with a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing, like an acquaintance twice removed kind of deal and um, made it here. And that was like my second big leap, I guess you could say, was was joining um, the, the altitude of, of Denver and the Mile High City. And it was beautiful and I loved it and it was great. And I started you know, doing everything I did when I first moved to Australia, you know, you start to make friends, you start to meet people, you start to kind of navigate the city and figure things out. I went on hikes like every weekend and I was like, this is pure bliss. I made the right choice. And 18 months later, I found myself in a situation of not only feeling miserable, but further into that hole than I had been in Australia. Like it just it was so much worse. And I was like, how is this possible? How, how did I get here again? Like what, how is this, how is this even real that this, I'm feeling this way. I did everything I was supposed to do air quotes kind of thing. Everything I was meant to try to come up with and, and make my life as perfect and fulfilling and amazing as possible. And yet here I am in that rock bottom feeling even more so than I was when I left Australia. And I think part of that was because I'd left Australia and how am I feeling this again kind of thing. But right. um, Well, plus, I mean, everything you've said about your trip to Denver and your journey to get to Denver is interesting because it's all very focused forward. I'm going to mm -hmm. Denver and I'm going to get a job. But what you 
what's the other side of that story is you were ripping yourself out of a life in Australia. Yeah. I am sure not peacefully. Yeah. So it was definitely a run. You were keeping your eyes faced forward because it was really hard to look backwards at the job you were leaving and the friends you were leaving absolutely. and the life you were leaving who probably felt a little bit abandoned. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're spot on because that's exactly it. I had eyes forward and never looking back kind of thing because I knew if I looked back it would hurt and I didn't want to. So you were really carrying that with you the whole time you were in Denver that it was all sitting on your shoulders still but if you looked forward hard enough it wasn't it wasn't gonna hurt you. So when you when you crashed again 18 months later yeah you weren't just carrying what had happened in Denver you were still carrying what had happened from Australia I'm assuming. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All of it, all of that weight, all of that pressure and those expectations and everything I thought that it was meant to look like and be like, and instead of just being and enjoying what I had and being grateful, I kept thinking it needed to look differently, thinking it needed to check certain boxes and it needed to be a certain way. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't able to make that happen. And, and well, and also it was unrealistic. Like all of it that I was thinking was completely unrealistic. And You no couldn't will I... this perfect vision into exactly. being. I need to will this perfect vision into being. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So I have this rock bottom moment. And literally the next morning, um, I Google, how do I make myself happy? Yes, I I have a great quote from you that says it was your turning point to get off the misery wagon. Oh, I don't even remember saying that. I love that. You said that. (laughs) It was the turning point to get off the misery wagon. And so you turned, as we all do, to Google. Yeah, exactly. How do I make myself happy? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And of course, that comes up with 500,000 million (laughs) responses. But um, there was something about the the one that I clicked on that really hit with me and resonated because I'm not the kind of person who wants to be given anything either. If I get given something, I don't... I don't go well with that. I'm like, I, I need to earn this. I, you know, I, that inherent worth and deserving kind of thing is still not the easiest for me to, to grasp. But, um, but yeah, it was very much like earn your happy was what the, the, the title of the, the podcast was that I found. And that is, that's really what turned things around for me and helped me really to look forward and focus back on myself and where I was currently and what I wanted to do, not the things I thought I needed to do to check boxes. um, And I want to stop there because that's a really big point that a lot of people struggle to find is how do you do what you want to do? And, and, and that sounds selfish, but it doesn't have to be selfish. What, how do you, how do you seek the things that you want to do, which can also make the world a better place rather than having this vision of what you need to do. And in theory, if I check all the boxes, as you said, I will be happy. And and I think a lot of people get lost trying to decide between Mm. those two paths or they mix those two paths up and think they're the same thing, but they're not as you have found those two paths aren't the same. Not even, not even remotely. And I think that's it. Like we really do. We really put this pressure on ourselves to think that there's this need that we have to do all of these things when it's like, actually, no, like you just, you need what you actually need to do is reflect and figure out what you want and what fills you up and what actually 
brings you joy and fulfillment in life and then create your life around that. Quantum Fiber isn't your average internet. This is online meetings while online shopping internet. PJ's still on, so video stays off internet. It's movie night debating and then movie night watching in four different rooms internet. The kind of internet that's fast enough for whatever your family can throw at it. Meet Quantum Fiber, an all-new, all-fiber internet that's built for the world of you. Not expecting it to come from checking the boxes and doing the things that, you know, we're supposed to do and, you know, that we need to achieve in life. Um, instead, it's what do you want and what does that look like and doing it the opposite and then creating the life around that. And that's what I have been working on now for the past three years or so. Yeah. But I think it, you had a, um, a very – you had – two things that you realized it seems which is not only did you need to build a life around what brings you joy and fulfillment but you also needed to believe that you deserved mm. joy and fulfillment and you I know part of your journey was um, getting to a place where you thought you deserved it you deserved to feel happy not just that you were going to earn it but once you earned it you deserved to be there and that is something that had been missing for you Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a lot of people really struggle with that, especially in the society that we're in and the pressures that we have and everything that we are, um, you know, conditioned to think and, and strive for. Um, we think that we have to earn everything. We have to be better than someone else to, to, to get whatever we're striving for when, that's not the case and it's it's really this inherent worth and this inherent kind of deservingness that we all have and and aligning with that and and being okay with it looking differently and i think that's the key is like what lights me up and gets me excited for things is not necessarily going to be what lights you up or lights the next person up kind of thing and that's the point not the idea of success that we've all been sold of the 2.5 kids, the family, the picket fence, the fancy cars and all that shit, or excuse me, um, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's about really finding what your vision of success looks like and what your idea and dream is and, and creating that authentically and, and inherently from yourself and not expecting yeah. the external world to really give you that. And that's what I kept doing. I kept expecting and kept thinking a different location, a different job, a different situation, a different wherever place on the continent or con the world is going to make this, is going to make me feel whole. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me feel what I want to feel when it has nothing to do with any of that at all. No. No, and then I think there's there, the second step is, and once you get there and you find the things that bring you joy and bring you happiness, you need to let yourself feel joy and happiness. Um, you had said that your happiness sometimes made you feel icky mm. because you didn't feel you deserved it, which creates a despair. So even it's a, it's a cycle, which is the happier you get, 
you almost feel worse because you don't feel you deserve it. So, I mean, I just want to acknowledge both pieces of this journey. You have this wonderful epiphany that your version of success is yours and it's different than mine or anybody else who's listening. Everybody has their own version of success. But once you get to something that feels successful and joyous, you need to let yourself feel successful and joyous. And that is is a, a freedom you need to give yourself as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I would say even the third piece to it is then helping others do the same. And that's really where I've come to in the last last year and a half, two years kind of thing is is making sure no one else feels this the way I did. Um, or even if they do and when they get to that point, they have somewhere to turn and not necessarily Google or maybe they Google and they find me. But it's, you know, it's a matter of being able to then give back and allow people to understand like, you're not alone in this path. Other people have walked this and can get you to the other side of it. Like feeling the way you feel and questioning everything and wondering why do I feel this way when everything should be perfect? I should be happy. It's okay. It's totally okay to feel that way. And let's, you know, find the thing that actually makes you feel the way you think you want to feel and, and make it come to life and bring it to whatever that looks like to you. Well, you're, you're, you have now alluded to the next big turning point, which is when you started listening to this podcast and, and, and reading the books that the podcast recommended and figuring out how to earn your happy, um, you started that journey because you were on a self-help path. You were trying to figure out how to help yourself get out of this cycle and stop imploding your life. And you started on the journey with your eyes on self-help, but that changed Your journey started to morph towards entrepreneurship for the reason you just listed. It wasn't enough just to make yourself feel better. You wanted to take your inherent entrepreneurial spirit because you do have an inherent entrepreneurial spirit and you wanted (laughs) to spread this. So talk about how you realized that and what you did with it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. It did not come easy. I fought it. I fought that that entrepreneurial spirit and that, that pull. Um, for a while because I was I was so determined um, to be on this personal growth journey and to really just make sure I never got back to that place again and really setting my life up to be um, that idea of success that I wanted versus what you know we'd all been told and things like that so really kind of giving myself that freedom to do that but in the process these books and these um, podcasts that I kept jumping to. And, you know, as soon as you find one, they talk about others and then you listen to all of them and you go down a rabbit hole. And it's <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and I learned a lot. But along that path, there was a lot of talk about coaching and entrepreneurship and starting your own business and, and what you had to give to the world and were able to share with other people and, and how to, you know, monetize that in a way, but also how to really make sure that you're giving back um, if you've gone through something and things like that. So that really kind of kept repeating and kept repeating and kept repeating for months. And I just ignored it and fought it and fought it and fought it. And then probably I'd say five, six months later kind of thing, I was open to the idea of it. And I'd, um, I'd hired my first coach at that point after, you know, a lot of self-guided um, work and things like that. Um, I, I hired my own coach um, and really actually almost, I would say fought, fell in love with the process and really enjoyed the, um, the experience that I had with her. And it was again on a, a self-help 
path, but I really enjoyed the way that it all came about and um, how it all looked. So then that really sparked my mind to, okay, I'd heard it a lot. I've heard a lot about this. Now I've experienced it. How can I, how can I look to do something similar and create something so that people who do find themselves in, you know, what they thought was the right career, what they thought was the right path or the right dream that they should have been on and woke up one day and was like, this actually isn't it. What do I do now? Like, oh God. (laughs) Or this isn't it anymore. You know, life has chapters and what's right for you in your 20s may not be what's right with you in the 30s or your 40s. And so that's an interesting thing to say. Am I brave enough to question where I am? Exactly. Exactly. And then embrace it and say, okay, what could it look like? You know, go back to those formative years when you were a child and you could dream and you were actually able to ask those questions of what could I do if I, if I changed my life and changed my path and direction on things. So yeah, so that took me into the path of, of starting a business and, and starting my own coaching business. Um, and I, I do specific, like, mainly focus on career coaching and finding the right career path, or um, I like to call a portfolio of career, um, allowing you to kind of play and explore and it not be one line of income. Um, but yeah, allowing people to, to really kind of work through that. And that's led me to my third leap where I, uh, I recently left my, my nine to five and have gone all in on this. Um, and that was just a couple of weeks, oh gosh, a couple months ago now. Um, and here we are thriving and, uh, and living the dream, but it does, it all starts from some craziness and takes some crazy turns. Well, and but, I think yeah. what's interesting is, is that you, <laughs> you, as you said before, you had been listening to these podcasts and reading books and they were talking about coaches. So you finally got a coach and that coach helped you with one aspect of your life. And then you found another coach who was helping you figure out what kind of business you want to create and what you wanted to do with your career. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is it was at that moment that you figured out you wanted to do what that coach was to have remodeling of that coach to then go extend that goodness and you are now a successful career coach. Now, mm-hmm. I know you started as a coach part-time while you kept your corporate job because you had to figure out when you felt like you mm-hmm. could jump. Yep. And I want to talk a little bit just because I think it's it's really interesting that as you yeah. decided whether you could take the the leap away from corporate work, which is, it's it's got some nice safety nets to it, but you figured out a backup plan as you went into it. So as you went into this coaching work, you were like, what else do I do if I need to make more money? And you had two other jobs at the ready so that if this entrepreneurship thing didn't pay all the bills, you already had a backup plan. So talk about what you did to sort of cushion that leap. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was saying as far as like creating a portfolio for your career and multiple streams of income is it's, I knew I was going to leave the corporate job at some point, but I, I was in no way going to do the, you know, the burn the bridges or yeah, burn the bridges and burn the boats kind of thing and go all in with no real plan. Like that's not, that's not me. That's some people, but that is definitely not me. So <laughs> I needed a few, few layers of backup plan, like you, like you mentioned. So, so yeah, so as I started uh, growing my business and doing that on the, on the side part-time from a uh, 40 to 50 hour week, work week kind of thing, depending on what was going on with my executive. Um, but 
uh, I I drove for Lyft. I why not drove for Lyft? Super easy, and started doing that. And um, on the weekends, would make a couple hundred bucks here and there, and it was something that was I could pick up and do whenever I wanted to. Um, and then as it came closer and closer to me wanting to leave, um, and I was getting ready and kind of like at that point, like okay, I think it's time to like to do this. Um, I was like, okay, what else do I love? Like, I feel like I should have a, a backup plan, something else um, that I'm, so I'm not leaving my nine to five and then like it's solely on my shoulders. Um, and I am obsessed with wine. Anyone that knows me, it knows that I am a wino and I love uh, talking about wine. I love drinking wine. I love traveling for wine. I've traveled all over the world drinking wine in amazing places. Um, and so I was like, okay, I can do this. There's wineries in Denver. So I started looking for a part-time job at a wine a winery or a wine um, bar kind of thing to do something that I'm passionate about and I have the energy and like can turn, like show up and turn on kind of thing um, and just make some money on the side. So I've been doing that too. I have um, a part-time job at a wine bar here locally in Denver and I love it. It is so much fun. I get to go in and make these people's evenings or afternoons like an absolute joy and fun and learn and teach them all about wine, our wine. Um, and um, it's a fun social way. Like I think a lot of us um, realized with 2020 and the lockdown and things like that, I am not one of those people that can be kept at home away from people all the time. That does not go well for me and my personality. Um, so having something and somewhere that I could go to kind of get that energy out and connect with people and have those kind of, you know, exchanges and interactions and things like that and talk about wine and learn about wine was kind of like the trifecta. I was like, well, this is perfect. So I kind of diversified my career portfolio, if you want to say, and I have um, these multiple streams of income that I can pull on anytime I need to. Now, I haven't needed to use Lyft and gosh, over a year kind of thing, but it's there if I need it. And it's there if I have a slow month and if I have to, you know, make up a little extra money here and there, but it's not something that I rely on anymore. I have the wine bar, which does great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and the business is, is thriving. I think people, a lot, again, with 2020, I think a lot of people started questioning a lot of the things that we've been talking about here um, and have really started to think about how they want to see their life. And and that's it's been a great success for me to be able to to help provide that path and that guidance. Well, and I think the piece that I want to pull out of that, especially, um, is not only a lot of people when they go start their own business, which I do think 2020 has started almost the the cottage industry feel again. People have started to to do more uh, individual businesses out of their home or from wherever they want to live, mm -hmm. but. Those people, people do a really good job planning financially. How am I going to financially make sure I stay afloat while I'm starting my business? What I love about what you did is you also made sure you took care of yourself emotionally. I know when you were looking for the job at the winery or the wine bar, it's because you recognized that sitting at home, working with people over Zoom or, or audio calls or, or coaching calls all day long was not going to be enough to satisfy your extroversion mm -hmm. or your need for human interaction. And you knew that going in. So that became part of your business plan. Mm -hmm. You weren't just making sure you could stay afloat financially. Right. You were making sure you could stay afloat emotionally. It, absolutely. So I, I think... 
I think that is also sometime, uh, sometimes something people forget. When you leave the corporate world, you leave that team you worked mm-hmm. with and that guaranteed social interaction every day. Make sure you supplemented that as well. And you did it with something. That's a good, that's good exactly. advice to anybody considering entrepreneurship. Don't just take care of the financial part. You got to plan for all the other parts um, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a big change too. Like you go, like, like you said, having a team every day that you bond with and you're kind of in the trenches with and working on something with that goes away until you're, you know, in the six plus figures kind of thing and can build a team. And it takes a while to get to that point as an entrepreneur kind of thing. So I think that people forget that, yes, this idea of, of working at home all the time and working, you know, alone, it sounds really beautiful and awesome, but it can also be very isolating. And I think a lot of people realized that and have realized that who have gone, you know, the, the full-time at home thing in the last, you know, year and a half, two years kind of deal. Um, but also to think, I think there's such a stigma um, around people when they leave their nine to fives that they have to be doing really well and they have to be doing better than what they were, all of that, and have to be perceived that way. And taking a step back or what could be considered a step back um, as working at a wine bar or something like that, I just, I challenge that because like exactly like we've been saying, like it brings me so much joy and it could be anything. You could be working at... You could be volunteering if you're good financially and don't need to worry about that. But if you're doing something that you enjoy and you get helps fill your cup, that just gives you more energy to put into whatever venture you're doing. Be that your nine to five, be that, you know, a collection of part time jobs or whatever. But making that change from a full time nine to five job to diversifying to something else or a couple of things, I just really encourage people yes. to remove those stigmas of of regression in any kind of way because at the end of the day you're happier you're achieving more you're diversifying your income and essentially you know future proofing yourself for the next crazy thing that's going to happen to us like good lord who oh, knows don't ask for it <laughs> so no but I, I think that's a really good point I think, again, I just want to, I want to commend your wisdom because I do think people, they finish their college degree or they finish their master's degree or they finish their PhD or they finally get that big promotion at work and then they go drive for Lyft and work in a wine bar or they, um, they go, I don't know, become a, an author or an editor and volunteer more and they pass up the thing that people think is the goal to go find something that brings you joy. And I love that you use the word stigma. There is a stigma. There are people who look at you and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're not off making, you know, half a million dollars, or I can't believe you're not off working in a big corporate job or have a big title. That isn't what's important. And as soon as we stop chasing that, we will, we will, I like the word future proof. We will stop being at risk of imploding our lives. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 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 I think that's, yeah, nail on the head there. Um, But it is, it's a beautiful way to really set yourself up for more and continue to fill your cup so you're not drained. The last Mm -hmm. thing I think anybody wants to do is feel burnout and the rates that we've been feeling burnout across this country and across any kind of Western society is ridiculous. So any way you can make sure that you're diversifying your cup is is the way to do it in my book. If you're prosperous and burned out and empty, you're not prosperous. I think that's a, <laughs> exactly. gross, a great statement. 
Well, Amanda, you do have a successful uh, coaching business that has launched. And if people want to find out more about your coaching business, where would they learn more about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can check me out at lifebyamandajoy.com. Um, and then I'm on the socials as well. So Instagram, lifebyamandajoy. Um, and uh, LinkedIn is just, um, it's amanda-joy at the end of the LinkedIn Um whatever website they have the thing there, WW LinkedIn, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I'm on those three are the main ones, but definitely, uh, check me out there. And then, um, I have, you know, um, for the, the leap listeners, um, if they go to, uh, Amanda life by Amanda slash leap, I've got a special offer for them there. If they're curious to learn a bit more about what I do and working with me and how we can diversify your income portfolio or find the right path for you. That's wonderful. And we will put all of that information in the show notes so people can find it and and we'll take care of all the WWW stuff that's at the front. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll make it easy for them to get to that. Amanda, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we finish today? Uh, the only thing that I, yeah, the one thing I would share is don't be afraid to make the leap, whatever the leap is, whatever that uh, thing is that you're scared to jump over or jump into, I would you know, do it. I mean, you've heard my three crazy leaps here and it's brought me to a beautiful place and a great situation. So don't be afraid to leap and fail a little bit along the way, but life has a way of working itself out. Amanda, that is wonderful. And I thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such a joy to talk to you. I have yeah, loved getting pleasure. to meet you and hear your story. I want to thank Amanda again for being with us today, and I want to thank all of you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed Amanda's story as much as I have. And if you know someone who has taken a small leap or even a big leap that's made a big difference in their lives, please let us know, and you can find out how to do that down in the show notes. We thank you for being with us for Leap, Stories That Inspire, a Quantum Fiber podcast, and we hope to talk to you again in the near future. 